welcome back to the wise man's page the daily podcast where we read patrick rothfuss's the wise man's fear page by page this is page 402 chapter 60 wisdom's tool the mayor's eyes went wide at my words then narrowed again even in the midst of his infirmity alvarin's wit was sharp you were right to speak that soft and close he said you are treading dangerous ground but speak i will hear you your grace I suspect Thrape did not mention in his letter that I am a student at the university as well as a musician. The mayor's eyes showed no glimmer of recognition. Which university? he asked. The university, your grace. I said, I am a member of the Arcanum. Alvarin frowned. You are far too young to make such a claim. And why would Thrape neglect to mention this? You are not looking for an arcanist, your grace, and there is a certain stigma attached to that sort of study this far east. It was the closest I could come to speaking the truth, that Vince are superstitious to the point of idiocy. The mayor blinked slowly, his expression hardening. Very well, he said. Perform some work of magic if you are what you say. I'm only an arcanist in training, your grace, but if you would like to see a bit of magic... I looked at the three lamps lining the walls, licked my fingers, concentrated, and pinched the wick of the candle sitting at his bedside table. The room went dark, and I heard his startled intake of breath. I brought out my silver ring, and after a moment it began to shine with a silver-blue light. My hands grew cold, as I had no source of heat other than my own body. "'That will do,' the mayor said. If he was at all unnerved, there was no hint of it in his voice. "'That's the page. I'm Jeremy.' I'm Jordana. And Nick slumbers. He has entered the Nick sleep in which he must replenish his mighty cosmic powers before he can rejoin the podcast. <laughs> Love it. I'm not entirely sure what Quoth is doing with his mighty cosmic powers on this page, though. So he's he's licked his fingers to put the wick out on the candle and binds it somehow to the lamps in the room, and that's why they go out. Yeah. And then what's happening with the ring? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I actually don't know that I have an answer. I think that this is like a, a slightly more complicated piece of sympathy that we haven't seen. Because he's like making the he's making the ring glow and he's using the heat from his own body to do that. And it's a it's a silvery blue light, which is not the kind of color silver would go if you heated it up. Yeah, so he's doing something else to it, but it's not exactly clear what. And uh, that is not typical for for sympathy. In the in the like, I think we usually are meant to intuitively be able to understand what someone's doing with sympathy at this point because we've you know seen people do all kinds of stuff with it and had it explained to us. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I I just don't know. Well, we need a cracked pot. Where where is Nick when we need him? Slumbering to to replenish his cracked pots for another day. I do think there's an interesting piece of world building that reflects character and attitude when Quoth says, I'm a student at the university and the mayor goes, what university uh, or which university, which kind of implies that to people who don't live in Imra, people who aren't like near the university, it's actually not that important a place. Like maybe not everybody knows that that's where arcanists are trained and 
in a place like Vint, like, you know, the mayor isn't man of the world. Presumably there are other mundane universities in Vintus and in the Commonwealth that just teach people, you know, math and science and literature and all that good stuff. So he doesn't immediately make the connection that it's like the university in the Commonwealth that they train arcanists, which I think is kind of funny because it shows. And this kind of makes sense to me as an, just an element of other people who like, you know, some people would be able to say, you know, oh, you know, I went to McGill, I went to U of T. Uh, and to people who live in like Ontario or Quebec, that like, that means something, right? Like, you know, we know what they're implying when they say that, you know, they went to like an old school, you know, it's like fairly prestigious. It's, you know, the closest thing Canada has done Ivy League. You know, when a person from Britain says they went to Oxford, that carries all kinds of connotations and implications. But if you're not from Canada and someone says, oh, I went to McGill, you know, someone in like Australia is not going to know what you're talking about. They're not going to know. Be like, like, hey, so what? Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? What's McGill? Uh, and I think that that is kind of what's happening to Quoth here. It's the thing on the side of a fish. Get out. <laughs> Fired. Fired from this podcast. Yes, I do agree that that's what is occurring here. I like the idea of there being other mundane universities across Temerant, and I want mm-hmm. to know what occurs in them. The sense that I would have, barring any further information, is that they are much like medieval universities in Europe were, you know, in like the 1200s or the 1300s, that they're places where like the children of the elite uh, go to get like a sort of gentleman's classical education in the subjects that like aristocrats need to know about to be like you know members of their culture so you know in our world you like you know you had to learn latin you had to learn the classics you know you had to like study ancient greek texts you might have learned a little bit of like natural philosophy or just plain old philosophy you might have studied like history or or tactics or things of that nature uh and i feel like it it might well be the same in in tamarant that people that this you know the sons of the well of the wealthy and perhaps the daughters of the wealthy as well can go to be sort of trained to be like proper aristocrats. Indeed. I wonder if the mayor might have gone to one of these universities at some point. I would expect so. Although it's also very possible that he, that he had a private personal tutor. Exactly. Which was another thing that aristocrats, you know, tended to do. More often with their daughters than their sons, I think, at a certain point. I see, I see. So he doesn't believe, the mayor doesn't believe that Quoth is from the university. He says he's too young to make that claim. Which, like, like Quoth is theoretically too young for the university. Like, based on what the university might consider its norm. But... Most people haven't noticed that, or at least haven't said it out loud. I I don't think that that's true. I think people often comment on the fact that he's incredibly precocious and young. But not to the extent that he actually is. Most people are like, oh, are you like an older teenager? Whereas he's like a middle teenager. He's like 15. Yeah, but he tells everyone he's 17 that they believe him, right? Like, even Elk Shadal, who he talked to a few chapters ago, like, thinks he's like 17 or 18, but he's not. He's like 15. And Elk Shadal was like, my God, you're so young. You're already, you know, uh, a Rilar. Yeah. So, well, like, I feel like when people say, like, oh, you look young, they're they're actually saying he looks old because 
even as young as he is, they still never peg him for as young as he actually is. Well, I think that's less to do with how he looks and more to do with how he acts, right? Because he's so precocious, he's so intelligent, and he's like, you know, in some ways he's like lived a life, he's been through some shit, so he's kind of like mature beyond his years in that sense. Um, and so I think he actually does come off as older than he is. Hmm. Reasonable. In, in some ways. I mean, and the fact that the mirror says you're too young to make such a claim does imply that he knows enough about the the university to know how old someone who goes to it would be. And that Quoth is typically too young for that. Yeah. Good that Quoth is able to kind of prove this with a little bit of quick sympathy. Yeah. Convenient and all, although sensible. It makes sense that he can just kind of whip it out. Yeah, I feel like in a different book, in a in a, a book that had different priorities or was less well written, this scene would take up the whole chapter of him, like proving to the mayor that he is who he says he is. And Rothfuss knows that that's boring and that's not what's going to be interesting to us about this scene. So he doesn't, the mayor doesn't dismiss it out of hand. He just wants to see proof and Quoth provides him proof right away. And then the mayor goes, okay, fine. Like you are who you say you are, fine. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, it's kind of like in, I always appreciate in like a zombie movie when we don't spend all that long building up to the zombie apocalypse. Like in Zack Snyder's best film, Dawn of the Dead, we get like five minutes of establishing Sarah Polly's character and getting to know and like her and her husband. And then a zombie breaks into their house and kills him. And boom, we're off to the races within like five minutes. And like, that's what I want out of this movie because I didn't come to this movie to watch half an hour of build up to zombies going on a rampage. I came to this movie to watch zombies on a rampage. And that's kind of how and I so feel. This about, chapter like, this is, is Dawn of the Dead, but for the explanation of how he's poisoned. Exactly. The meat of this page is the drama of Quoth having to convince the mayor that he's being poisoned and laying out his evidence for why that is. And we're not going to spend a whole time, uh, a whole lot of time establishing Quoth's bona fides. The other thing I wanted to point out is we are getting uh, a repeat of some, some, something that's known in the world, uh, which is that Vince are considered superstitious. They're mm-hmm. considered like so, over, so overly religious that they are kind of like, yeah, superstitious, and Quoth has a certain a certain prejudice against them for that because you know obviously he knows that our you know the work that Arcanists do is not magic; it's sympathy, and it has rules and it has logic, and they're very carefully trained and blah blah blah. But as far as he's concerned, the people from Vint might as well be like pitchfork bearing peasants. I mean, I can see him wanting to be cautious about that sort of thing. Although you'd think someone at the level of the mayor wouldn't mind so much having, like, an arcanist. Like, why Why would it be so bad if, if Thrape had mentioned that in the letter? Like, he has a court arcanist. Well, yeah, but even then, he doesn't say, oh, you do sympathy. He says, oh, you do magic. That's a good point. Okay, right? Fine. He thinks he's Whatever. a wizard. He has a court magician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that by the standards of Vint... And Vintus, like the mayor, is a well-educated man, but he is steeped in a cultural stew of superstition as far as Quoth is concerned. I, I do want to like raise a kind of a point about world building here that uh, is not original to me. It's original to Seth Dickinson, author of the the Masquerade series, the Baru Cormorant series, who said 
uh, and I'd never thought about this before, but I think he's really got a point. Like good world building is not when you establish a race or like a culture that is just like a stereotype of itself. Good world building is when you establish a stereotype of a culture and then like that exists within the fiction of the world. Like all vintage people are coward are like superstitious uh, idiots. And then we, when we see that culture in the world, we see all the ways in which that is not true or more complex than, than other people in the world think it is, you know? So like, it's like lazy world building to have a world where like, everyone thinks that all orcs are like ignorant, savage barbarians who just go around like, you know, pillaging and looting and doing violence because they love doing violence. It's bad world world building. If that's what we've been told. And then that is exactly true. That comes from an at like a harmful real world attitude of like essentializing foreign cultures, you know, Whereas a more interesting world building note uh, is like, that's the stereotype of Orcs in your world. But what we actually find out is that they are like, you know, a... They contain no- multitudes. Yeah, they're like, what if they're like a nomadic warrior culture that has like a strong code of, of honor? So like a, a good example of this is like the way Klingons are treated in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine is like, they're not just like bloodthirsty barbarians. They're like kind of a cross between Vikings and samurai, right? Like they are like, they, they like, you know, a good battle. They have a strong culture of like honor and tradition, but it's a culture. They have like religious, you know, attachments to it. And not all Klingons behave that way. Some Klingons are like cowardly scheming, you know, dipshits who drop the, the honor culture as soon as it becomes inconvenient to them. All of which is to say that I think that Rothfuss is too good a world builder to ever like commit this sin. But at the same time, I will be paying close attention to how vintage characters are characterized and whether or not they are as ignorant and superstitious as Cloth thinks they are. Very well. Uh, we also, don't have also, a- also, as a retort to your comment upon Star Trekky things, um, Kapla? <laughs> Kapla, indeed. Uh, we will host. We will hoist a cup of blood wine and drink it together from the skulls of our fallen enemies on tomorrow's page. Uh, the wind. wind.